gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. What's up? We got John Barklow on and Frank the Tank across from me, who is not in a bad mood this morning. Right, Frank? You're trying to get me there. <laughs> well, He's antagonizing. Shit. I am antagonizing. Uh, John just got on, so I haven't antagonized him yet. Barklow, what's that? What's happening in the big town of Montana? <laughs> Both, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. How is the town of Montana today, John? Dirty and dry, man. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, Montana like burning down. What I heard Colorado is. We're pretty smoky here too. Yeah. Yeah. It is wet though. I will say it is raining more, uh, this year. It's going to be interesting in the high country. Um, I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get fucked up with weather this year more than normal. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what the fall's like, but man, I mean, I've been here seven, seven years and I mean, it's been consistently high nineties, hundreds since early July. So, you know, I mean, there's pasture land around here. People can't even put cows on the grasses in any good. So I'm not sure how that's going to affect the animals this, uh, this fall. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think we're good as far as that goes. I would say horn growth and everything else should be, should be good. I noticed a lot of, uh, a lot of berries this year. I think the bears, bears like the berries. I think it'll be good for bears. And we have bear tags. We do have bear tags with guns. I know. Yeah. So you guys are heading out here pretty quick, right? I'm trying to get a tag tag for for Nevada that I might be able to get this week, and then South and I are going to go to Nevada, and then Frank's going to oh, Alaska with David D. Austin and Isaac and Bill with Iron Will for Caribou. Yeah, so you guys are going to be there the week. I'm not going to the same area, Frank, but you're going to be there the week after me. So I'm leaving this Saturday for Caribou in Alaska. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. I got your boys taken care of. You'll be with us in spirit. Yeah, Dave said he, uh, he, you hooked him up with some gear and Isaac. We appreciate that. Yeah. So I think uh, with with all the Frank and I have, well, I might have four in a row back to back backpack hunts. Frank, you've got two or three. Um, got a caribou hunt. Got <clears throat> mule deer and bear that happened at the same time, and then uh, if I get done with that in time, I'm gonna go see if I can help out a couple of buddies with their elk thing, Taylor and Tomas. Yeah, um, they got some OTC elk tags. They're pretty pumped up about. So yeah, it should be a pretty good beginning to the season for me, and probably you too. Yeah, I should be skinny by the time uh, I'll be ready to get <laughs> whitetail fit by the time November comes around. I'll be ready to eat some ho hos and shit. I, they asked me that on the podcast last night and after four, 10 to 14 day wilderness hunts and then whatever in October, helping out on goat and sheep hunts by November, I'll be ready to eat some shit because as John, as you know, I'm running around like an idiot for about four months in the Davis mountains, uh, January through, you know, April, May, uh, yeah. March, yeah. April. So. Yeah. I don't know if I could do three or four back to back right now anymore not at not at this age but uh a couple you know or like one and then a couple weeks off and then maybe one more but yeah you said that you you are going to look like a what do you what do you call it like a potato on a toothpick an avocado on a toothpick yeah um uh, avocado on a toothpick <laughs> it depends on if i try to re- retire on the mule deer hunt again it seems like every year i can't get an easy one and, and kill one on like day three 
I push it to like day 11, 12 or 13, and then we have to come back. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, and then Frank stuck trying to help me. Um, yeah, but we did get, uh, something that might make it a little bit more enjoy- enjoyable. The, uh, those Helinox cots, we got the yeah. ultralight Helinox cots this year. And oh yeah. Those, uh-huh. those may be making it along on some of the yeah. hunts because <laughs> those things are comfy, man. Well, I went from the 95 and 115 spotter to the 65 this year for backpacking. So I'm basically going back to where I was, except I'm going to sleep better. So what I lost in the spotter, I'm gaining in the cot, but it's well worth it. Yeah, but you know what? You know, a lot of people don't think that. They, uh, I was just answering a question today, you know, about cutting weight and where you do it. And everybody's got their opinion, of course. But, man, I look at my gear list, and it's like it's changed over time, right? I mean, we've all gone from, like, the extreme cutting toothbrush handles in half or not even bringing one you know, to, Hey, I'm going to bring a cot because I'm going to be out there a long time. And I know I'm going to do this over and over and I want to keep doing this the rest of my life. And I know that sleep's super important. And so you just start to, pri- I mean, at least for me, I start to prioritize some of that stuff a little differently than I used to, you know? And, uh, I think that could catch some people by surprise. You know, I'm glad you're talking. I I think, and obviously this whole podcast will be about gear and survival and not dying and, and shit like that. So the, the thing I, <laughs> when people are talking about like what you were just mentioning, as far as like cutting weight, the, the end goal for me is not to have the lightest wake pack, lightest pack possible bar none. It's to have the most comfortable pack at the lightest weight I can get. And when I say comfortable pack, the most comfortable I can be for 10 days in the wilderness without going to any extreme, meaning I'm not going super heavy and I'm not going super light. I want to be relatively comfortable with a relatively decent amount of weight in my pack for 10 to 12 days. So I'm not smoking myself out on the food side where I'm starving every day. And I'm not using the lightest weight pad that's super uncomfortable possible. I'm not sleeping in just a bivy and putting a a waterproof bag around my pack like there's there's pros and cons to everything you put in your pack and I'm going for the best bang for the buck without being too heavily overweighted and that cot is just over two pounds. So all I had to do was look in my pack and what can I shuffle around to get that out and that was very easy. I could cut three pounds off my spotting scope by going to a 65. I'm not losing yeah. that much doing that and now I'm yeah. back to par, you know, back to even. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes well, I like, uh, having, you know, I like to say knowledge weighs nothing. And, and I, I think that's what you're talking about because it, you know, you said, well, it's easy, you know, it's easy to find three pounds to cut out, but the reason it's easy is because you know what you're doing and you've got experience. And so if you don't have that, you know, that, that's where people start to question. And, um, and, and that's where you just have to put some time in, you know, you've been out there so much. You're like, well, I'm not going to compromise my safety or the success of the hunt if I do this or that. But if you don't know any better, you know, people are like, I don't even know where to start, you know. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to pack my gear for Alaska. Obviously, I got to fly up there. You know, we might be pack rafting. Like, I have to kind of limit my stuff. Um, but I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I can definitely, you know, but I've been there. I live there. So, you know, I can kind of figure that out. Whereas if you haven't been there. I understand where people don't even know where to start. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the tough part, but that's why you shouldn't go to Alaska for your first trip or into the back country for 14 days for your first trip either. 
Well, I, Frank, what were you? What were you? We oh, I was just going to say. Sometimes I like using that smaller spotter anyway because uh, I feel like you pay more attention to detail because you have a, a less field, a smaller field of view compared to like the ninety-five or that one fifteen. Sometimes I feel like, in some instances, I'm just glancing over stuff. Whereas with the sixty-five, you can see more. But um, yeah, sorry. No, no, I, 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 uh, I mean, what you were just saying, John. I mean, I'm going to bring up a few things that people listening in may as I'm being an asshole telling you you're not very bright of packing in your, your tent. Okay, let me just say it. Learning to tie a Prusik knot or a taut line hitch, for example, in comparison to buying those Night Eye Z tensioners, nothing wrong mm-hmm. with a Night Eye Z tensioner. Other than they're heavy, you don't need them, and they cost money. Uh, but if you can't learn to tie a knot and you have to buy this crazy tensioning deal that adds just a few ounces. So when I say a few ounces, if you got eight of them for your tarp uh, or your tent and you, you, you change them out or you have the tensioners, I take the tensioners off my tent. I, I tie the Prusik knot or Totline hitch. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. You save weight. The plastic's going to break anyway, eventually, um, you know, yeah. the, the tensioners. So learn to tie the knot, which is knowledge or wisdom and practice. Plus you're going to be better for other circumstances and situations, knowing how to tie those knots. So again, just look up Prusik or top line hitch. You'll get the idea that you can tie uh, any, you know, you, you can use that for other many things other than just your, your guidelines, but that saves you some weight and the plastic little tensioners. And again, you can, it's field repairable. It's your own knot and your own skill. John, how many people would you say heading into the woods this year actually know how to tie knots? Cool. Not, not very many. Uh, you know, and most people would think of a prusik knot as more of a mountaineering application. But to your point, you know, it, it works for all these things. So that's kind of where that knowledge comes in. And, you know, I, again, we talk about cutting weight. and People are like, where do you cut weight? And they want to cut pounds. And it's like, man if you start cutting a couple ounces, those ounces equal pounds. And, uh, you know, I mean, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but, you know, you cut off, you know, two dozen metal metal zipper poles and replace them with some thin cord. Maybe you don't even have to replace all the poles. Um, You know, you you reduce a couple of your stuff sacks that are two or three or four ounces each. I mean, you could you could save a couple pounds just in how you organize your kit, right? Or cutting superfluous stuff off, like we talked about those plastic tensioners. Um, that's where it really starts to add up, and you don't even miss it. Like you don't even. It's not like you're going hungry. It's not like you're uncomfortable sleeping, and you've left a couple pounds behind. Um, it's kind of like it's easy to look at the kind of the the big picture, but then you have to go back and like really dig into the details of every piece of gear. Um, yeah, that's a great, that's great advice. I mean, I, I don't even carry all the cords and stuff like just cause a manufacturer, like, you know, you and I both make product, right? But just cause, just cause, uh, I have to put all those hang tags in the back of my jacket. doesn't mean you can't cut them out or just cause you put all those guidelines on every single corner. doesn't necessarily mean you have to carry them all, you know? A hundred percent. And I'm all for people, you know, the gear hacks, if it makes sense, you know, I don't have any issue with people. Yeah. You know, making, reinventing the wheel a little bit. I, I would say though, if, uh, if it's a company that, um, <clears throat> man, hasn't, 
hired you straight out of college and their head engineers never spent a day in the woods, they've probably got it figured <laughs> out. Um, you know what I like? There's very few things you're going to want to cut off a Kafaru pack or modify on, on Sitka gear. Like I don't, um, I, I don't really ever have to, to change anything, you know, too, too much on that. Like there may be some things like, obviously I might talk to, um, a manufacturer and get them to change a design uh, to make it better in the long run, but I'm probably not going to mess with what they've done unless it's just totally doesn't make sense. Um, you know, so, you know, with, with some of these questions and, and I, I strongly encourage uh, John, what's your, what's your Instagram page? Cause it's super informational before we get going too much. Uh, it's at Jay Barklow. So Jay Barklow and, and John does a ton of tech tips on that page from saving weight, uh, rewarming drills, um, you know, anything you can possibly think of. So if you've got questions, hop on there. But, you know, generally when guys look at, you know, heading out west, um, you know, for a backpack hunt, you know, that you're going to pay the piper one way or another. And that that means you're either going to be carrying a heavier pack on the way in and suffer on the hike in and, and be comfortable when you get there, or you're going to do better on the hike in and suffer a little bit when you get there. And we've talked about this a lot. One way or another, you're, you're paying the tollman. I would say Frank yeah. and I, we cater to the happy medium. I don't think we suffer too bad on the way in, nor do we suffer when we're back there. Um, Frank, if you're going to pick one thing extra you could take, what would it be if you were going to add anything that we, we leave behind? Man, <clears throat> probably a better sleeping pad for for starters. I mean, the, the cot, I think, was something that we added this year that I definitely have been considering quite a bit, so... It's certain comfort items, basically. I don't know. I I think you're right, though. I, we don't. I don't really consider it to be suffering all that much. Um, but we've been doing it for a while, so we kind of know what to expect. But just just those basic comfort items, for me. Yeah, I I, don't, I mean, from on my end, I really not, I'm really not left wanting for extra clothing. I'm a fat kid. Sometimes I'm wanting for extra food. But you know, overall, like I bring now uh, that four inch thick big Agnes Q core. And this year I'm going to bring that big bastard and put and it on the top cot. of a cot. You so, might as well have a king size bed <laughs> pillow top. I'll be sleeping on a big, well, pillow. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think, uh, one thing you mentioned the other day during the food video, the fresh fruit thing, that's kind of, that's something that's nice. I like those little baby oranges. I, yeah. Sometimes I'll pack in like for the first day, some, some like apples or something like that, or some of those oranges, but yeah, any type of fresh foods, nice, which it's something that you can't necessarily bring. Yeah, it's weight wise. John, what about you? Are you are you left wanting for anything where you're like, well, if I was in better shape or or uh, you know had a packer, I would bring this. I mean, what's something you're wanting to bring in? Fleshlight, other than whiskey. Yeah, I was going to say tequila. Um, <laughs> now I can, you know, I can. Um, I don't have to eat a lot while I'm out there. Now that doesn't mean I don't want to. It just means I my body doesn't need it. I need a lot of water. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind bringing bringing some more food on occasion. But you know, one comfort item I have started bringing is an inflatable pillow. Because if not, my neck gets completely jacked up, no matter what I try to do and whatever makeshift pillow I make. I'm gonna have to consider the cot because I know the exact one you guys are talking about. And uh, but you know, that's like when you're trying to go day after day after day. You know, I, I would argue that that at some point that stops to become a comfort item and really starts to become mandatory for the success, you know, that you guys are trying to, to, to go for, especially when you're starting to stack 
multiple trips in a row. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we all have some things, but like, but what? None of it. None of it's gonna, you know, hopefully compromise the safety or success of the trip. You know, um, I'm gonna bring all that stuff, and then I'll leave some of the the other items. So I'll leave a little food if I have to. Um, but I got to bring that pillow now. So I recently got a new pillow. Did you see that thing, Frank? I showed it to you. Yeah. The uh, X-Bed. It's a big green fuzzy bastard. Dude, I'm like you. Like, I, I got to have a big pillow. And I like to read and, and, and crap when I'm in the, yeah. you know. So I got to get my neck propped up. That thing wasn't very heavy. And if I take that and then I'll take like that, uh, like a, the the Kelvin jacket or our puffy or a fleece. And then I'll put that over the top of it to give me a little extra. I go, go to bed. I'll pull that out. It, it's um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the pillow. Like I, I talk to certain guys that give advice that are like, "Man, I do twenty seven pounds for ten days," and they're arguing online about guys should be doing that as well. When you've gotten to that level, you are making a conscious decision to suffer. Um, when you're back there and and you're okay with it, most people starting out have not made that decision nor have the knowledge or wisdom to make that decision. Meaning. I could go 10 days with 27 pounds. I'd be one crabby motherfucker every day. I could do it. Yeah. But why? Yeah. To save me some weight on the way in? I mean, I would rather just that's suffer think, for a few uh, miles. That's where I think people, in my opinion, that's where I think people are being, uh, they're, they're, they're being irresponsible by putting information like that out, especially without any context, right? And, and I think you and I both know the people that you're probably referring to, but, um, and so people that are new, they want to, they want to kind of aspire to be those, those people, you know? And yeah, you and I can both do that and Frank can do that. And yeah, I'm, I'm a grumpy son of a bitch. And you know, if, if, if the thing is you can get pushed out of the mountains pretty easy when you don't have a lot, when you're rough, like totally running on bare minimum, um, you know, you, you can't necessarily stay back there and endure forever. And so, you know, without that context, people new to this don't understand that. And they're like, oh, well, so-and-so said to use this. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, he's got 30 years of experience and why he's doing that and what environment he's using that in. And, and that he's willing to walk out and wait for better weather because he doesn't have a fucking full-time job. So it, it's like without that context, people really get led astray. And it's like, listen, if you're taking you know, your 10 days vacation a year and you're coming out West to go hunt mule deer or whatever, like you want to try to hang in there and, and get the most bang for your buck. And if you cut everything so slim, which we've all done, right? I think it's just a natural progression of somebody's evolution. Um, then your, your success can be compromised by, you know, the freak snowstorm or the windstorm, or, you know, you lose a little food to, you know, the marmots. That, that come in and grab your food bag, like whatever it is. Um, especially when you don't have a had lot to of bring experience. up old shit, John. That's happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. I like, know. Last year. I know, but see, nobody talks about that. It's like, I, listen, if you want to be the fucking badass motherfucker <laughs> that like runs on 27 pounds, like fuck. Yeah. I'll go with you. But you know, uh, it, it's probably not the experience most people want, uh, especially when they're, when they're learning. 
That that happened with Cody and I last year in elk season. We came back in in the snowstorm. I had hung food up that we'd left, and I came back in, and I'm going through bags of food that have been gnawed on uh, by squirrels and marmots and shit, trying to decipher: is this safe, or am I going to get bubonic yeah. plague from what came <laughs> off the teeth of? The, and I'm literally taking half wrappers of of food putting them together with another one to, to create a five to 700 calorie meal. And I remember now keep it's a foot of snow and it's in, and we've got a fire going and I'm Cody and I are both doing this, uh, trying to get enough food to make it five days. And Cody looks at me, he's got a big dip in with a smile on his face. He's like, you know, times are hard when you're mixing up chili Mac and, uh, what did he say? Chicken and rice or something, <laughs> just something because I was mixing whatever I could to make it. And, I didn't highlight that, but you've got a choice, right? You either make do with what you've got, which I had parts and pieces of multiple meals because squirrels and marmots got into it, or you hike back out and don't go hunting. I would say yeah. that that decision obviously is what was very easy for me to make. I wasn't worried about it. And, and uh, food wise, it's not like I, you know, I'm not due to lose a few pounds, but to put my wife, a beginner, a newcomer into that situation where I'm like, Hey guys, you know, Hey Bill, so you're going to have to eat half eaten shit by squirrels. Uh, you mind? That's probably not the, you know, the, the best, you know, some people might hit that with a great attitude and think that this is an awesome adventure and a story to tell. Most people are going to be like, fuck you. Take me to the motel. I'm not eating some shit of marmonade. So right. it, you don't want right. to put people in that position or yourself on the way in. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other horrible situations that we, I don't know, Frank, when I shot my buck that last, we were out of food eating your mule deer the last couple of days. We were eating your mule deer, seasoning it with top ramen seasoning, weren't we? Yeah, but that was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a good, we, we literally were cooking his mule deer on a stick because we ran out of food. We're not, you know, going to gritty the hell out of that and make it more than it is, but we ran out of food. We had a deer, so we started eating that to last another day or two, and then we ended up hiking out. I think we had like uh, cracker crumbs and we like, um, oh, yeah, we, we made a, we kind of dip, <laughs> dipped them in the cracker crumbs and then, then f put it on a, in a pan maybe, or in a, in a, not a pan in our uh, stove and kind of fried it in there. Yeah. And then we cooked, we had it on a stick and on a fire. stick too. Yeah. yeah. We might've done some things. You've been proud. Actually, we took almond flour crackers. We made breading. Yeah. Reinventing the wheel. But. I think. Did you make a, are you saying you made a gluten free meal in the backcountry? Is that what I did? <laughs> we did actually, yeah, with uh, kale <laughs> chips. Um, but I, you know, I mean, when you talk about like the knowledge and wisdom thing, when you've got a like with Frank, I don't have to worry, right? He can handle anything, and and hopefully Frank doesn't have to worry about me. That yeah, you know, times are a little bit hard. Make the best of it and laugh. Well, that was on day what thirteen, twelve, Frank? On how? Uh, it was. It was. Yeah, it was quite a ways in there. How many people are still going to be giggling and laughing in the middle of a snane storm when you're out of food cooking, you know, your partner's deer because he was smart enough to kill one before you? Most people aren't going to be at their peak of their happiness at that time that are newcomers. And so people hear these stories and John, I'd like to get your opinion on it. And I think they are like, man, that's awesome. But then when they're actually faced with it, it's not that awesome when you actually hearing about it is fun. Doing it is a totally different story. Yeah, I think we've all done, when I say we all, like, in the industry or folks like you, like, we've done a really good job of romanticizing this, but, you know, it, it's not all, like, romantic, and and uh, most of the time, it, it's painful, and, uh, yeah, you weren't 
I don't know. You, you just want to put out responsible information and, you, you know, you want people to at least have a reasonable fun time, like type two fun for sure. But, um, and you want them to come back for more, but I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of bullshit out there that all it does is it positions the person putting it out to be a tough guy, but they're not really being responsible to the people they're putting the information out to. Well, and you, you and I both know, and we've, we've hunted with guys that, that, that promote certain things, probably not as, you know, whatever, uh, lying by omission is still lying. Right. Or, 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 uh, you know, over exaggerating. I mean, we, we try to paint just like you do the exact picture of what's going on. And I wouldn't say Frank, you and I ever have, I'd say probably the only time I've had a bad time was when I missed that buck in the cliffs and you'd already hiked out. That was a kick in the dick. But other than that, you know, it's pretty fun for me the whole time I'm back there. You know, storms are a little bit of a downer, but for me, it's fun. Now, my hips as I'm getting older and shoulders and things are catching up with me to where I wake up and I'm a little bit bent and it takes an hour to warm up and straighten back out. But but I'm having fun. But as you said, we've all done this for many years. Selling that to someone... If you sell the truth, it's like, hey, you're going to be breathing really hard with no oxygen, probably a copper feeling in your throat. Your VO2 max is going to be maxed out. Your lactic acid bloods in your bloodstream is going to be horrible. You're probably going to get a headache. You're probably going to be dehydrated, get really chafed lips and a sunburn. Food isn't going to be too much of a problem, but you're certainly going to lose weight. Uh, enlist everything out as it is. Is a much worse sell than, oh, you're going to see beautiful nature and your animals are awesome and it's an adventure the reality is most people probably should hear the actuality of what it is rather than the romanticized version because a lot of people hike off the mountain early yeah you know and that's a tough one because you know we, we you know we can get painted with the brush of being assholes right for for kind of quote telling the truth but it's oh, oh i have like, we're, yeah, we're, we're trying to like drive people out, but it's like, you need to be prepared and there's no reason to bullshit anybody. I mean, yeah, it's a good time in a weird way, but, uh, you know, I'm sure my face is going to get eaten off by mosquitoes here next week. Like <laughs> not really looking forward to that, trying to plan around it, like trying to plan that contingency, but that's just the fact of life. Right. And, uh, but nobody, no, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. Um, but, but I think a lot of people are surprised, and that's why they don't really, they don't go in there and laugh too long. I mean, listen, I, you know, th I, I'm speaking from experience here. It's not like I'm, you know, it's it's not like I got here overnight. But, um, but you know, with all the new people kind of coming into the into hunting and and wanting to go into the backcountry, um. You know, you, you've said it, and I, I quote you on this all the time, dude, because, you know, I don't want to say you're like Confucius or anything, but, you know, the knowledge is easy to get right now. I mean, from different sources, and you never know, like, you know, it's up to you to vet the source. But, but just because you have the knowledge doesn't mean you all of a sudden you have 20 years of experience under your belt. And, and that's the big difference, right? And, and that's where, like, you know, yourself or me or Frank, like, we have that to go yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm bringing a cot because I know that sleep is like a super important thing for me to stay out here and keep glassing all day for 10, you know, 10 days or whatever. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, um, when you talk about painting, um, 
you know, not looking like an asshole, but I've talked to you about maybe, you know, if Sit was, Sitka was cool about it, maybe you and I doing a, um, uh, 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 you know, maybe two or three, you know, big survival seminar backcountry hunting classes over the, uh, uh, you know, around the United States, right? And how applicable yeah, would people yeah. come to those? Well, this last one I did on Land Nav, I, I started out, maybe I just didn't have enough caffeine that morning, but I, I had, I don't know, what do we have, 20-some 20, 20 people in the class. And about as much as I can handle to teach land nav solo. So I said, yeah, all right. Yeah. Every, yeah, it's a bunch, you know. And I said, okay, uh, how many of you guys have base map or Onyx? And pretty much everyone did. How many sure. have a GPS? Pretty much everyone had one. How many have a watch that has a GPS on it? Probably 80%. And I said, okay, yeah. how many of you know how to use those? Nobody raised <laughs> their hand. I said, so why the fuck are you packing all of that weight and technology when the, the information is at your fingertips and you haven't, you had the discipline to fucking learn it. And I'm sure everybody's like, yep, uh, we've heard right. He's a dick, but I was trying to pound in their head. Like you've got all this technology at your fingers and we are the laziest culture. We are la laziest time we've ever had in, in the U S in my opinion, if it's not given to you, you will not earn it. And I'm like, you can learn most of this shit. I'm not saying you're become, going to become professional at land navigation off YouTube, but you can get enough to get out and, and learn it, you know, if you try. Or, or they, like, I, they got a hand it to them. They came to the class, and I'm not speaking to the people in the class, but everyone. How many guys do you see turning in circles holding a GPS thinking it's the Jack Sparrow compass pointing you to fucking what you want most? They just don't understand because they haven't put the work in. Well, yeah. The reality is, is you and I and probably four other people in the United States land nav manually. And that's an exaggeration, but not many people do it anymore, <laughs> but not, not many. Too <laughs> the, the reason why that I do it and I'd be curious the same way. One, I learned it that way Two, It never goes wrong. Right. I, I never, you know, it's, it's up to me, meaning it's, it's as long as I do my job, you know, a, G, a compass on a GPS is always off, right? Batteries die. And it's not like I yeah. don't have a GPS, but terrain association, right? Intersection, uh, or excuse me, resection, things of that nature, just general knowledge. I can get where I'm at. That's not to say I don't use base map. I do. Or I don't use my yeah. GPS. Of course I use it. But I know how to get the fuck out without it. And we have guys that literally have $750 GPSs that after they turn them on are lost. Why is that? And I'm like stressing this. Is it a gear race, right? Do they want to sound cool? I've got a Garmin 1250. It's like Fast and the Furious 92, right? I've got a Garmin 750. I don't know what they're up to. Garmin Oregon 750, whatever. They can only yeah. turn it on and tell the time with it. What do you think that is? Is it just the, the culture these days? I mean, why aren't people learning things that are out there? It's the easiest time in the world to learn. So first of all, I, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm curious about this, that, you know, you get the number of people you do to your, to your land nav course. So you said 20, right? So that's like, that's somewhat encouraging. Um, but as far as the technology goes, you know, and I, I, I try to like, I try to look back and put myself, you know, in the place of, of the beginner, you know, and I was relating a story the other, the other week when I was a kid, you know, I was probably 12, 13, 14, where I had all this 
not all this stuff, but I had a map of compass. I didn't know how to use it. And I just wandered around, got lost and eventually hit a road and found my way home. But when you're starting out, like, I don't care if it's, you know, archery or rifle or, you know, hunting or whatever it is, like we always try to default to technology to help us kind of increase our learning, like, like advance, you know, our learning, get, get ahead, so to speak. And so people buy that stuff and they want to buy the latest and greatest, but you know, they, they don't know how to use it. So it's, it's, it's kind of like wasted money. Um, so it's like, you know, I'll buy the, the latest bow, but if I don't know how to shoot a bow, then what's, what's the point? Like you're just wasting your fucking money. Like you're better off buying a mid-tier bow and learning how to shoot it well. Um, the thing with land nav for me, like the, the map and compass part, cause you know, I, like you, I was taught it and then I taught it back. I just have a more intimate connection with, with the terrain that I'm in. Like I actually understand it. I understand the layout. I understand, you know, how to use it to my advantage. And so many people, they just turn that thing on or they're just like, you know, it, it's no different than, you know, driving on Google Maps um with, with you know say base map um they really don't know what they're doing they really don't know where they're going and if that thing fails like they're completely fucked because they don't know that they got a ridge on their left hand side that is a handrail that'll take them right down to a creek and the creek if they turn left will take them down to the road you know they just don't understand any of that so um I, i'm encouraged that people are at least taking the class i think you hammered it into people's heads enough that they should at least understand that, that, that maybe some people are starting to like circle back and, and, uh, and show some interest. Yeah, it seems I'm excited about it. You know, when the class was good, I had some deer in the headlights looks for a little bit and I, and I totally get it. Cause when you have an eight to nine hour class, I'm feeding you with a fire hose and I leave a lot of the things out that, yeah. that I don't find important that I don't think they will for what's applicable. Um, you know, I only go into UTM, um, or the, or, or MGRS, right. I, I don't go into the, which is all, which is all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, when I'm, when I'm going over like the protractor portion, um, when you're laying out inside the thousand meter grid square of, Hey, you can wing it. You can see 750. It doesn't have to be exact, right. If you're really screwed yeah, up, yeah, you can yeah. figure it yeah. out off the square. <laughs> um, but the thing that's, that's nice is, you can see the clarity start to, when I say the clarity, you can see things are coming clearer by about hour four, right? Like where they're like, oh, okay. And, you know, it, it, I don't have enough time in one day to, to, you know, we had a lot of people not sign up for the class, surprisingly enough, because they pounded their chest and didn't think beginning land nav was enough. They wanted advanced. And I'm like, well, you can't sprint before you crawl. And what, what, yeah. what level are you at? And as it come to find their level was turning on a GPS and having a map with them that without what they were already in their mind, far past beginning stages when the reality is, is less than 1% are, are even at a beginner's level, uh, from what I've found. And that means, yeah. do you know what contour interval is your declination diagram? Can you orientate the map? Do you know the train features, the train association? Can you plot a course and that's the things that we do as we go step by step by step by the end they know how to read a 10 digit grid and they can now they're going to plot their route from point a to point b and they give me the grid uh the 10 degree coordinate 
at point A and point B and tell me why they chose the way they did and what they would yeah. have for alternate routes. Man, in eight hours. Oh, that's that, awesome. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you can't ask for, for more than that. No, no, you really can't. You know, I, I was having a conversation with somebody it was a few months ago, but listen, I, I'm e-scouting is a big thing, right? Like everybody talks about e-scouting and there's, you know, some good courses and stuff and it's, uh, shit tons of articles are written about it. I'll be the first to admit I'm not good at it. Like I got too much shit going on in my life. I'm just, it's hard for me to sit down and like e-scout, so to speak. Right. But a lot of people do it. And what I find hilarious is they're looking at basically Google Earth or they're looking at a satellite imagery on Onyx or something like that. They really don't know what the fuck they're looking at. And if they snap on a layer of contour lines, they don't know what those squiggly lines actually mean. And they don't really know how to read them. So I'm like, are you really fucking e-scouting or are you just fucking wasting your time? You know, like, do you really know that your insert at, at the trailhead is at X elevation and that you need to climb over two ridges to get to your first camp, which is X number of distance? And it's going to take you X number of time and you're going to have to climb over X number of thousands of feet. Like they're just dropping pins on the fucking map based on what, you know, based on what the uh, satellite imagery shows. And I think if they had that course you're talking about, just a little bit of information, man, it would go a fucking long way to really help. And I, I've been helping this guy, you know, I'm from Ohio and this guy's from Ohio and I, I've been helping him out. He struggled to, uh, you know, come from back east, out west, and he wants to hunt elk, which obviously we all know is super difficult in its own right. But, you know, I, I've been going through it with him, and, you know, he didn't know about altitude sickness. He didn't know about contour lines. He didn't know about all this stuff. And it, it's just stuff that you and I and Frank, like, we literally completely take for granted, like, you know, what'd you call it, beginner or baseline stuff. But it's not. And without that, like you're almost building, you're almost building everything on a foundation of quicksand, you know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we need to bring like orienteering races and stuff back into the mainstream. So people are doing that in the off season and like really getting good at land nav and, and reading terrain and moving through it. One of the things I talked about in that class is taking Google Earth and then do, uh, the, the contour lines doing an overlay to help you kind of yeah. understand the shit storm you're walking in. But then I had to go into make sure you know your contour interval because if the contour, just because there's squiggly lines on there and they're far apart, that doesn't mean anything if the contour interval uh, isn't applicable exactly. to what you're looking at, you know? And, and you yeah, know, of course right. people are like, oh, these lines aren't always the same. And I'm like, fuck no, they're not the <laughs> same. And I, I got out a map a dude had of Oklahoma. And I said, does that map look any different than the map I have? And they're like, no. And I said, and that's Oklahoma. And I said, the reason yeah. why is the, the detail of the map. And I was explaining, obviously, you, you know, when you talk about the map scales, how they change, contour interval changes. And I said, so you got to know all these things to know what you're looking at. Because if you, uh, you know, the Derek Zoolander house for kids who can't read good, obviously that's not the scale. That, that is a tiny little depiction of what that could be. <laughs> And I use that as a reference and they were like, oh, and I'm like, so as you're changing this, uh, the map scale, the contour interval, 
you know, what looks like a very passable mountain, you know, a ridge line or saddle over a mountain, a mountain range could actually be vertical cliffs, depending upon what the contour interval and the detail or map scale is. And they, they were getting it at that point. But like, there's things that Frank, you and I look at that we're like, eh, we might be able to make it up that. And then we get out there and we look at it. We're like, holy fuck, there's only, well, looking at the map where I killed that mule deer in 18. That was about as steep as I could probably come down to to make that shot. And looking at that, yeah. depending upon the map, that could either look very doable, depending upon the contour of interval and map scale, or impossible. And as you say, when people are e-scouting, they don't know what they're looking at. That's why people always say Google Earth's a liar. Well, it's they don't know what they're yeah. looking at, so it is lying to them because they're not, you know, they're not aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if I had to pick just a topo map or something with contour lines and or or satellite imagery, I, I take the I take the topo map just because it gives me a lot more information. But I think if you overlay the two, like that, you know, that's the best of both worlds. Now I can like, you know, I can see a burn or I can see a a, a creek a little better or I can see what you know how thick the timber of vegetation is. Um, but you know, I think an eight or nine hour class like you're putting out could be huge, huge for people to actually get more out of, out of what they're not only, you know, spending hours and days and weeks e-scouting, but actually when they get on the ground, um, you know, there's, there's so much to it that, you know, they just, that people miss. And, you know, Aaron, I'm not so sure that a lot of people will call them pros, right, in the industry have a fucking clue about this either because I don't know where they'd have learned it. And, um, you know, so it, my point is nobody's talking about it because nobody has the information. I mean, I think you're the only person that I know of, at least in the hunting industry that's, you know, trying to educate and promote this at all. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty stoked that people are at least, you know, there's not enough of you to go around and teach everybody, but I'm, I'm stoked that people are at least interested because I think it's going to be, could be a huge advantage. Um, you know, I was helping, like I said, this guy who's going to Colorado again this year. And, and I was, I don't, I didn't have the map, but he was explaining the terrain to me. And I was just like, have you guys done a route plan? Like what's your, what's your daily distance? Like how, how far is it to get to where you're going? Like what's the elevation? How much, you know, vertical are you going to gain? And they really didn't know. And I said, you need to go back and study the map and come back and tell me that. Because I'm not sure you know what you're getting into. Yeah, and I think it may take one of those eye-opening moments to for it to really kick in for some people where, you know, men are generally hard-headed and it may take a, a, a royal ass whooping before their eyes open up or getting lost. Or, you know, I've actually more than one occasion talked to guys that couldn't find their elk, uh, like literally shot it, went back to get their pack and, and couldn't find it when they came back and had to look for four or five hours. I mean, those are all eye-opening kind of moments of clarity for people that, you know, no different than hiking in with shitty boots or a shitty pack or, you know, having a yeah. shelter that fails. Um, I think the navigation portion is probably one of those eye-openers. I would say probably I'm the most guilty of is I, a lot of times I won't mark my shelter sometimes when I'm in familiar areas. And because I'm so f familiar with um, the area and the route and, you know, I'll get back to it, but I'd certainly get back to it 30 minutes quicker if I would have marked the damn thing. Um, 
you know, so I've gotten better about that with time, but you know, you wander around like an idiot for 30 minutes in a rainstorm because you weren't smart enough to mark your shelter. I'm not in danger. I'm going to find it, but I'd be a lot drier if I would have marked the fucker. And that's just common. I mean, I'm not afraid to mention that. I mean, it shit happens, right? And I know, Frank, you don't, you're pretty good about marking the, the shelter. I mean, you don't get too, too jammed up very often. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff just went over there, but, um, for the shelter stuff, I think, uh, a good trick to have as well as we have, you know, we all generally, a lot of people at least, or a lot of people I know have these cool, uh, GPS watches. And one thing that you can do is you can at least look at the elevation of your shelter on, on your watch and you can always match that up. It, it's a quick trick to finding it. I mean, it doesn't replace, you know, marking it on your, whatever your GPS or your phone or whatever, but um, that's one way you can stay on that at that elevation, assuming that your your watch is correct and did I teach and you're you that? Or did you figure that out on your own? Mm, I don't. Know, maybe you did teach me that, but I think it's a, a good trick to have a good backup plan. Well, um, and that just shows how much you're in the field, like learning that on your own. And and what Frank's saying to add a little context to that is, if you hit on your watch, if your your altitude is correct on your watch. Um, 11,248 feet and you know your shelter was 11,250 and it's you know it's east of you if you stay on that contour line or that altitude roughly you're going to bump into your shelter by default and so that certainly helps losing and gaining altitude because that contour line minus getting cliffed out you can follow that within reason and bump into your shelter which is what you're saying yeah using the, the altimeter on your watch um you know, if you use the GPS function on your watch and leave it on all day long, your watch is going to drain and die probably in the same day. So if you're just using that altimeter on your watch, that's a kind of a quick and easy trick to find your shelter, assuming that you're in the vicinity of your shelter. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, in regard to like the, uh, Google map stuff and the e-scouting stuff, I, um, I would definitely agree that Google earth is not an accurate depiction of, of how steep things can be. And, uh, Generally, if you find a shortcut on Google Earth or you find a shortcut on your map, I would say I've, I've never really had good good luck with shortcuts myself. That always ends up being longer than They're long cuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know. That's a lot of stuff that you like John was saying, knowledge and wisdom and stuff that sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And I've definitely done that a lot. Anything to add to that, John? Uh, yeah, a couple things. So the, the altitude thing is, I mean, that's like, gold right there frank like that's clutch you know that's not i didn't i haven't used that necessarily to have to find my tent um but 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 knowing that you know where different terrain features are at what altitude is super important obviously you've used it to find your tent fuck i i i got lost in the, i got i lost my tent in a snowstorm and uh and i'm like fuck i'm literally gonna have to dig up snow cave or a slit trench and get in this thing and like ride this storm out till it calms down and I can find my tent. And I was so fucking pissed at myself. Um, but I just couldn't find a goddamn thing, but I did eventually find it. It was kind of at low light and it was because I had, you know, reflective cord, um, on the tent and then the tent had some reflective panels. I had been like walking right by it the whole time. Um, so yeah, all, all those things are, all those things are super important. Um, yeah. Well, I think the other thing when, when, you know, we're talking about all this and there is actually, a, and it's a guy I've mentioned before that I really don't like has mentioned, I don't carry a headlamp. 
um, you know, there's there. And, and I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, I just hike in the dark. You, and, you don't carry one? Or no, the fuck. I have two or three. The person, I, I'm a primary second. What does that, the seal say? Two is I, one, one is none or some shit, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, one is none and two is one. I, yeah, you're a fucking moron if you're not carrying a headlamp. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. And this is one of my friends I, you, you know, refer to as Frodo Baggins that works for a different company. And I'm when he's telling me this, I'm like, are you saying this to get me going? Or are you saying this to sound cool? Or are you saying this because it's fucking true? Because that's literally like saying I don't wear boots or, or footwear in the high country. It's like, well, okay, there's multiple reasons. One is a beacon or a strobe light. Just simple. Yeah. Turn it on to yeah. flash mode. I'm lost as fuck. Please, somebody find me. Very important. Another one, getting cliffed out. You know, fi- you know obviously just finding your way. and. If yeah. illumination's at 20%, I don't have the headlamp on either. I just hike back and I'm probably okay. But yeah. multiple reasons to use a headlamp. Um, and, and saying don't bring one is some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And so with some guys, when they come to me and they're like, I'm going to cut down my gear list, they'll say, I think I'm pull the headlamp out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, somebody, you know, I won't mention names, told me this. And I'm like, yeah, well, he's an idiot. Uh, man, there's a hundred other things don't don't take three pairs of socks take a backup pair and what you wear in you know bring the headlamp there's certain rules that you do not want to break a headlamp is one of them now do you need 14 extra sets of batteries no but you don't leave a headlamp home you just don't um you know there's other key things that you don't leave home either and when i see a guy's gear list and i'm sure you you know you you obviously being a key figure at, at sitka how many guys pack three times more clothing they need? Uh, you guys build unbelievable oh, clothing, so you don't have to bring very much. Yeah. 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 I, I would say, Frank, when we give our clothing list people, it's anticlimactic for a lot of people. Would you agree? Like, it's pretty Spartan. <clears throat> yeah, I think a lot of people bring extra pants, extra underwear. Um, my stuff doesn't usually change. I mean, the only thing that changes is maybe a few more layers for later in the season. And boots, uh, depending on, you know, how cold it is. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, for me, one of the things I've started carrying a little bit more that, that I thought probably before I didn't didn't use as much is that, uh, is that mountain jacket because of the wind blocker. Uh, it is handy. Mm-hmm. It's lightweight. I can move in it with a fleece under on cold days. But, you know, for me, I got a pair of pants, a thin T-shirt, a fleece top, a puffy rain jacket, gloves and a beanie. That's my list, right? I don't have much more than that. Now, the different thicknesses or variations of the fleece or, you know, some hunts I might have the a core lightweight crew and the heavyweight crew. Other hunts I may not. Other I may just have the heavy. Um, some I might have a right. Kelvin active. Some might I might have, uh, oh, what's your new, the new puffy called? Because that thing's pretty badass. Kelvin Aerolite. The, the Aerolite. And some I may have our puffy. And that just depends on what, we're, we're going up against and it doesn't take much clothing to survive if you have the right clothing and layering system. And that's another thing I think people get super confused on is you don't need 12 items. You need seven of the really right items or six, you know, you don't yep. need a ton. You just need the correct ones. Yep. Yeah. Now I, I, I've been talking about this quite a bit and I actually think I did a video a couple weeks ago, but you know, I call it the AT, AT clothing system. So for, for most people, right, in North America, for most of the season, if you had eight pieces, and, and I say eight because I think that that covers pretty much all, um, 
you know, all situations. I also say you could add a piece or subtract a piece or two depending on the weather, right? So let's just say eight. But that's all you really need. But you don't need X. Like, you don't need to be carrying. Yeah, people don't. They want to leave a headlamp but bring two pairs of pants. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, they're just not thinking it through because they don't have the experience. Um, and again, with, like, without that experience, like, people just are not – very few people – are putting out responsible information. And the person who says to not bring a headlamp, in my opinion, is being completely irresponsible to the public. Now, if they choose to do that, that's totally fine. Like, I don't give a shit what they do. But that's not what you put out to the public. And, um, you know, people don't know any better. And so they're like, well, I'm going to cut weight and leave a headlamp. And I'm like, Jesus, man, that, that could compromise your safety. Um, that, could, that could compromise the success of your trip. Um, you know, you talk about illumination. It's like, yeah, if the illumination is going to be good, like I'm probably not even going to use the headlamp most of the time, but I still have it because, you know, we've all been in situations where you're like, you absolutely need that. It's like, how are you going to, how are you going to quarter up a bull or a buck in the middle of the night without a headlamp, right? Like, how are you going to signal somebody if you get flipped out and break your leg? And, you know, you don't have a way to stroke. Like, there's just so many things that, that make that an irresponsible statement. But if you bring it, like you said, yeah, you don't bring 14 sets of battery, but you're just disciplined on how you use it. But, like, that's not where you compromise things. Um, yeah, it, it gets a little frustrating sometimes, as you can tell. Um, I'm sure you get fucking frustrated as well. Yeah, you know, I did a, a podcast last night with the Stickbow Chronicles guys, just a Q&A. And, uh-huh. you know, reading through the, the Q&A, there's, there's sometimes highlights where I'm like, okay, we're all making a difference. And then there's other times where I read something and I'm like, oh, this guy might die. Like, you know, he's obviously maybe focusing on, uh, man, that sound like a total dick. If your skill set or your field craft isn't equal to or above the price of your gear list, you're, you're fucking up. And then when I say <laughs> that, meaning if your gear list is a level 10 and your skill set's a level two, you're, you're not really doing the, the, you know, the, the wilderness and the animal you're hunting justice. So, um, if you have, uh, and I'll just say our gear, if you've got a, uh, you know, thousand dollar Kafaru pack and, probably what 35 to four grand in Sitka full up, you know, loaded, ready to roll. Yeah. But you can't tie yeah. a, a Prusik knot or a top line hitch or a, a bow line. Yeah. You're, you're wrong as two boys fucking on the white house lawn. That's wrong. Right. You, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get your shit equal. And if you can't somewhat land nav, um, but you got a brand new, you know, Hoyt RX 17, whatever FMJs and, uh, whatever iron wheel broadheads, yeah, you're probably wrong. And I, you know what? People don't like to hear the truth and I get hated on for it, but that's the fucking truth, right? You're, you're spending far more money than you are putting effort into learning the craft. And now I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail over this because I'm a gear guy, but I'm also trying to have the full package, a package as well as Frank. I mean, Frank, you train every day. I think you train every day. Anyway, train Frank doesn't train with me. Doesn't like me. I'm too fat. What are you asking? You train every day? <laughs> what, work you, out? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're cardio-wise, and then you shoot, what, two or three times a week? Yeah. A little, little more during season. Mm-hmm. Um, we scout. We go out. We test our gear. We, we pre-pack our food and what, what people should be doing. 
when's the last time, Frank, that you spent far more money on gear than you did on work ethic? Because I haven't known you'd ever do that. It's probably been a long time, yeah. Well, I think there's a there's just a um, a balance. You can do too much of one thing and not enough of the other. So you have to. It's all about the balance, I think, because I mean, time is the the main restriction of of everything. So you got to balance out. If you, you can't, if you could spend all day and weekend in the gym, or you could work out every day and then get into the mountains in the weekends and go scouting and go hiking and balance everything out shooting. You know, you could. It's all balance. Well, again, I, I mean, in, in when you talk about balance, Frank, you're on your, your phone. Is that anything important? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that no. in a negative way. Google not tying. Just Google how to tie a, a – Google how to tie – no, Google how to tie the four basic knots. Tell me how many hundreds of videos pop up. Would you agree, John, you can do that in your, at your work desk office with your bootlaces and learn how to tie knots? Would you, would you say that's – true for the most part what do you need two foot of rope two foot of string yeah all right yeah. how many yeah. people did that compared to how many people perused instagram all day to see what bullshit and titties are hanging out i don't even think anybody's yeah. tying knots today and that's the kind of the point i'm trying to make well, is if you could combine the two if you could tie knots around titties it would be better <laughs> yeah, exactly. john would you agree <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I can disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Is that uh, the S&M style? Well, I was gonna, if you have a wife like mine, you might tie her up. And the knot tying is important because if she gets loose, you're in trouble. Com so Combine your hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> but straight in here. My point is, is the knowledge is right there. You just have to have the willingness to learn it. Um, we may have to edit some of this podcast out. But... How many people are perusing through seeing who posted what when they could be learning how to tie knots, learning land nav, learning whatever, and they choose to take the easy route and stare at fish and boobies rather than learning something? Nothing wrong with fish and boobies, but I'm just saying you could learn something every day relatively easy about survival and living in the woods, and people just don't do it. And try to alter that is, is important, and I think we're getting better. I mean, I think people are getting better at it as time goes on. What do you think about that, John? Well, um, you know, we're all, we're all gear guys, right? Like we sell gear, we make gear, I buy gear, right? But I think people get, especially when you're starting out, it's easy to like just get gear fixated, but you got to train with the gear. Like I'm a huge proponent, like go and train with the gear, go and train with the gear, learn the capabilities. Um, it, like the gear is not some like Superman's cape that you put on and all of a sudden allow you to, you know, go kill a, or whatever, you got to have the knowledge. And I think that's, you know, one of the things you're talking about is, you know, man, if you don't know how to tie some basic knots, that's something you should know. If you don't know basic land nav, like that's something you should know, or at least how to read contour lines on a map. Like these are things you should, you should absolutely know. And, you know, this base of knowledge. So, you know, I, I grew up kind of like self-taught making every mistake and then, you know, obviously I was in the military and I was doing stuff on my own. And so I, I build this base of knowledge and a lot of, I don't know about you, Aaron, but you know, a lot of people, you know, back in the day, they didn't start out, uh, you know, they either didn't start out hunting or they didn't certainly start out backcountry hunting. And so, you know, backpacking or like what you're doing when you go fishing up to these high lakes and stuff like that's training. That's, that's building a base of knowledge. I like to call it the care and feeding. Like people need to know how to 
do the care and feeding of themselves, how to take care of themselves, how to feed themselves, how to dry themselves out, all that stuff, right? But everybody wants to jump right to, you know, the how to bugle a bull in, you know, and, and like how to shoot an elk at 100 yards and, and what broadhead. And it's like, man, you're never going to get there or you're never going to be able to sustain yourself if you don't know the, the foundational uh, skills. And, and nobody really focuses or wants to focus on the foundational skills. And, you know, you're talking about teaching land nav. That's a foundational skill, like how to set up a tent in high wind, like, uh, you know, how to feed yourself, like how to filter water, like all those things are foundational skills. Like you'll never get to the point of killing the elk if you don't, if you don't learn those things first. And very few people are talking about that. I'm not sure very few people even really know a lot about it. When I say few people, I'm talking about it in the industry. But the other thing is like, we've all done a, probably a pretty good job, but in a negative way of promoting like the backcountry hunting thing. And it's like, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this, but it's like everybody wants to go backcountry, do it yourself, public land, elk hunting with a bow. It's like, oh yeah, the fucking hardest thing in the world to do, probably right there with mule deer, right? It's like, how about going and hunting from a base camp uh, for mule deer elk? How about doing it with a rifle? How about coming out west and doing an antelope hunt or a spring bear hunt first and like, learning the terrain and learning what, you know, how to, how to just move around and learning how, you know, what training plan you need to get, you know, be- better in shape. Like all those things, are, people would be better off spending their time there. I think they'd find more success and be less frustrated and probably build that base of knowledge, get to where they ultimately want to go, but they just want to go there right away. And, and they don't understand that it's taken decades for most of us to get where we are. Um, but nobody really wants to talk about that. They just want to sell a product or promote themselves, uh, at the expense of somebody else's success. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. And, and I actually have, you know, preached kind of the same thing. And if, you know, if you're going to do a backpack hunt, your, your heart set on it, only go a mile in, right? Do, do something equivalent to exactly. Yeah. So you're not quite at an extreme. You can get back out relatively easy if you need to. And a mile's still pretty far. The internet's kind of blown out of proportion. Well, body weight score scoring of antlers and distance, right? I mean, that the reality of a mile, a mile and a half going in is not the end of the world, but packing an elk out a mile and a half does suck. Um, especially, you know, depending upon the terrain you're doing it in. So, baby steps right like you know you don't uh, you don't really do anything you know perfect out the gate very often and so you, you kind of bridge up and I, I would say um you know and, and frank is is definitely not good at promoting himself or his skill set but I, I would say you know frank there's not really you know any any you know more or less mountain too high for you or any distance or any i mean you can go through just about anything he's smiling he hates fucking answering these questions <laughs> but at no time have i ever said to frank hey i'm thinking about this and him looked at me like i was stupid um your skill set and fitness level you're, you're able to accomplish just about anything um very humbly but um yeah but like you were just saying though i think i've worked my way up from there and um, yeah that's and, my point and yeah every Every year, especially, you know, we, we do these scouting trips and, uh, fishing trips and we, you can, can I use those as like John was saying as training, 
So you're, you're definitely enjoying yourself, but it, you're getting something out of it. You're learning a new area or you're relearning what gear you want to take with you. And you're not generally, we're not going out there for 14 days on a scouting trip or, a um, or a fishing trip, but you're working your way up to those longer trips and figuring out what's going to work for you and what's not. And I guess it, I mean, it could go the same as like, say, if you're training for a marathon or something, you're not running a marathon every single day unless, um, you're a Cam Haynes or somebody, but yeah, yeah, he's, hammering. He, yeah. he's, he's a different kind of animal, but, uh, you're working your way up to these longer trips. And that's kind of like when I started, um, gaining more interest into backcountry hunting and that stuff in general, I would, I would go out and a lot of my friends didn't want to do it. So I would just go out for a weekend and go hike certain trails and learn to backpack and learn what was too heavy to bring or what was a comfort item that I didn't necessarily need. And you just learn over time. And a lot, a lot of it for me was learning the hard way, which I think is something that, that I do a lot. That's kind of my point. In the beginning, you couldn't do that. Like you weren't, there were mountains maybe too high or distances too far. Or I don't, whatever you might've been nervous, but now after years of doing it in practice, I don't know that there's anything that I've ever seen you go, Oh my God, we have to do that. I mean, you're pretty wide open and ready to roll because of your skill set, because of the time you've spent doing shit. Yeah. And one thing I'd suggest, and one thing that I didn't have for a long time is uh, like a Garmin inReach or a spot device. I finally got a spot a few years ago and then uh, you gave me your, your extra Garmin inReach. Um, I think if you're wanting to learn, I didn't the hard, want to lose you, Frank. If you're wanting to learn the hard way, or if you're uh, um, doing stuff on your own, definitely have a, a plan to uh, in an emergency. So those those in reaches, I think, are something that everybody should have, and hopefully the price drops a little bit on those, so people can afford them. But I think I, I have a few friends of, or have had a few friends that don't have them, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> you need some, you need something because you don't always have cell service. Well, and um, you're alone a lot. Yeah. So, so let's hypothetically say you and I this year are, we, we had to go kind of to a different area just because we didn't draw the same tags we normally do. So you're about three miles from me. Frank, I mean, and John, you can dive in on this. He could nick an artery, cutting up his animal, break a leg. If you can't get a hold of me or anyone, it doesn't matter if you're three miles or 300 miles, you're still fucked. Yeah. With that inreach, you could at least message me, hey, dude, can you come give me a hand? I, I Nice knowing you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Frank, I'm going to leave you, but steal your shit. But again, the skill set to survive if something happens long enough for me or someone else to come help. And then obviously you've got the inreach for people to come and then you can make yourself as comfortable as, as possible while you're sitting there laying injured and fucked up. John, would you agree with the majority of the things we're saying? Or you got anything to add to that? I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I won't go anywhere anymore without an inReach. I got an inReach Mini, right? That's synced to my phone. Like, You've got a Mini. In Montana, driving, <laughs> dri- driving around the West. Like, I even carry it in the truck because, I mean, you don't have cell service in the truck half the time in Montana. But I won't go out there anymore without it, right? So it's like, it's part of what I call risk mitigation. You know, all those things that, that we're trying to do to, right, take a, you know, we'll just say somewhat moderately uh, risky thing going to the backcountry and try to limit that. So, you know, an inner inch is one, a fucking headlamp obviously is another, right. But just trying to make it more manageable risk. Like I just won't do it. Like I, I did it for years cause they didn't have those things. And man, I like the hell I put my wife through, I'm sure. Right. Um, but 
you know, going back to the uh, whatever you're saying, you know, no no peak too high, no no distance too far. It's like to me the the ultimate, you know, the the ultimate trip is what you guys are doing. Like you're going high country, back country, mule deer hunting with with a bow on public land. And so there's so many things like we could just we could talk for an hour just on on altitude and altitude sickness, right? Um, let alone the distance or or the water <laughs> filtration or anything like that. And it's like, but people somehow think like they can't be successful if they're you know hunting from a base camp or hunting within a mile of of their truck or you know let's just say three miles of their truck. Um, and it's not it's not true, right? I mean, it's a different experience than what you guys are doing, where you're going back there for two weeks. And, you know, I don't know how far, nor do I want to know how far you're going. Well, let's just say somewhere between 8 and 12 miles. We'll just throw it out there like that. Um, like, learn learn closer to the road, right? Learn learn where you can have more help. Learn where if something goes wrong, you know, you can hike out in a, in a couple hours or at a minimum a day. Like, that. that's the way you, you start. Like, very few people are going to, you know, start doing exactly what you guys are doing like you're at the pinnacle of your game um and, and people think that if they don't do that they're they're not going to have the success and i just i don't necessarily agree with that you might have not, more success closer to the road with all these well, ding dongs hyping in yeah. They might. <laughs> yeah and you and i were talking the other week you know but you've seen these people that you know they're like they've never done anything and they don't know what altitude is and you know they've never carried a pack and et cetera, et cetera. and they're going in there in good on them, but man, they're just, they're literally just kicking their own ass. And, you know, it's like, do you want to go do that and have a vision quest and test yourself? Or do you want to, you know, be successful shooting a mule deer? And I think they have to kind of figure that out. Cause I'm not sure you can do all that together. And, you know, you talked about Frank going into off season, like that's where I say there is no off season. It's like, it's all training. Like, Come out, come out west if you want and, and hike up to a high country lake and go fishing. Um, go black bear hunting in the spring. Like all those things are, are great training, but you don't do it. You don't do it during the, like you shouldn't be training when the, when the, when you're on the big show with the tag in your pocket. Like do it, do it when the consequences are less. Um, and you don't have a thousand dollar elk tag in your pocket that you're going to burn, uh, you know, year after year. Um, not because you can't find elk, but you can't even get out there and spend three days in a row yeah i mean i think that um you know again you know your gear list your skill set and and the the adventure you're about to take on all need to kind of level out and so if your gear list is a 10 and the venture you're heading in on is a 10 but your skill set's a two you're gonna have a bad time you need to have all those things kind of level up yep yep you got to be honest with yourself like you got to be honest with yourself for sure. Oh, well, uh, man, we're, we're getting close to your, your, your meeting at nine. Um, you got anything you want to add? Uh, and, and definitely before we forget, check out, uh, John's Jay Barklow on Instagram. Cause he has a ton of informational quick hitting tech tips on there. Um, and then Kafaru cast, we also have a bunch, some of them mirror each other, which is good. You can kind of hear <laughs> generally we're about the same anyway, but, but yeah, um, well, the one the other day I was fucking with John because I don't did we do ours first or did he do his the food video yeah it came out around the same time yeah so we did a food video and we didn't talk 
This should show you what knowledge and wisdom brings. They're about fucking identical, and we didn't plan that. That it was you should, hilarious. You should probably <laughs> listen to us because I had people telling me you can't use Ziploc bags, and I'm like, well, really? Been doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be damned. I wish I would have known that six years ago. Son of a bitch, you know, whatever. Or you can't put, you know, deboned meat in a garbage sack. Like, oh, I should have died a while ago because I've done that shit for a long time. You don't want to put it in an apple fucking glad bag, right? But a contractor bag with no sense, not going to hurt anything. Again, a lot of the things that John and Frank and I talk about mirror each other. And that that page of John's is is very informational. Um, But you you got anything you want to add, John? You know, I, n- n- not, not really. I mean, I think that the stuff you guys are putting out is incredible. Um, obviously you're, you know, I, I'd say we're all just trying like the three of us or your platform, my platform, like we're absolutely just trying to help people educate them. Um, you know, I like to say you got to become a student of the game, which is, you know, don't, don't just take somebody's random advice from some random, you know, influencer. Uh, hunt athlete or whatever you know at face value like you you should dig in and understand where those people are coming from um but yeah the last thing i would just say is you know people would be better off starting slow and working into some of this stuff and just having reasonable expectations um and uh you know probably you and i and frank and some regard are, are part of the problem in the sense that we put some of this stuff out there as we as we should but People just take it at face value without the context. And uh, I, I think you've said it well. Like, you need to have your gear, your skills, the trip, everything should be level set. And if not, then then you need to figure out how to do that. Yeah, definitely. So, so if anybody has any questions about anything, message John, not me or Frank, uh, this week. <laughs> uh, from dating advice all the way down. Um, but no, everybody definitely, uh, you know, tune in to Kafaru cast YouTube page for tech tips, as well as, uh, Jay Barklow on Instagram. Uh, a lot of those questions that you guys message us have already been answered in much better detail than you would get on a Q and a or a quick message Absolutely. on these videos. Yep. 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 If they just search your page, my page, like, yeah, I mean, I'm starting to get the questions now, just like you. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I just did a 15 minute video on that three weeks ago. Like, there's no way I can text you a message that would be better than just going and watching mine or something you guys just posted, for sure. And then just fucking go train, man, and use it, make some mistakes, and have some miserable nights out. Just make sure it's not with a $1,000 elk tag in your pocket. Yeah, no, for sure. So, well, there you go, everybody. Uh, Please wish Frank and I luck, specifically me on the mule deer hunt. Um, I really don't want to take it to 14 days this year frank a three to four day hunt would be great i don't want to piss blood or get some fucked up fungus on my hand again like frank you're usually a four to six day guy and then frank stuck helping me the next what five days it would be cool if one time i could say frank i got one do you need help where now it's been frank can you help me i haven't killed one yet so hopefully roles reverse (laughs) this year don't have to go the full 14 it's good for character but fuck i'd like to have an easy one this year but Frank, anything to add? Yeah, you don't need to do that every trip. That's for damn sure. No. Yeah, sometimes it's boring F if you kill him on the first day, though. Yeah, fuck that, Frank. If I kill <laughs> one on the first day this year, I'll be happy. I'll come, like, give you moral support or I'll send smoke signals saying, go, Frank. So, yeah. uh, anyway. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to bitch about that anymore. <laughs> about 
having an opportunity the first day. I'm like, I'm normally not that guy, but fuck, I'm going to take that every time I can get it now. Every time. Yeah, 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 I'm in the same boat. It just depends, though. Like, I killed that uh, tall deer, I think, was on the first or second day, and then I stayed with you for a few days after and uh, found, like, a really, really big deer. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> shouldn't have tagged out so early oh, so if yeah. you have to stay longer then that's when it's like ah shit yeah yeah that's yeah you're right because you had you were forced to look at all those deer while i was blowing them out with a recurve so. <laughs> uh, uh well shit anybody listening in uh good luck this season we appreciate uh you know all the support uh even the hate mails are fun to read at times um some of them are not, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate everybody tuning in. It's been, it's been great. Um, podcast is doing great. And John has come out of his shell. Uh, like we talked about, uh, begrudging. yeah, begrudging. but you do did great info. So again, Jay Barklow on Instagram and, uh, yeah. And everybody good luck this season. Thanks again for hopping on John. Thanks John. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks guys.